0: Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast, a conversation with medtech leaders who have succeeded or plan to succeed in Latin America. Please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or Deezer. Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast, a conversation with leaders who have succeeded or plan to succeed in Latin America. Today, our guest is Antonino Di Nicolo. Hey, Antonino, great to have you here today. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, good morning. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.
0: Well, listeners, Antonino is uh, an expert in all things related to pharma products in Latin America. Antonino has more than 18 years of experience in international corporate and local and regional roles and leading pharmaceutical companies in Europe and Latin America. He was born and raised in Italy and moved to Mexico in 2016 as Latin America Business Development and Marketing Director for fairing Pharmaceuticals. In 2018, he joined Mundi Pharma also as a Latam Business Development Director and then assumed the role of General Manager in Argentina. He has a Master's of Science in Molecular Biology with honors executive masters in strategy and business administration and marketing, communication, and public relations. He is now the founder and president or CEO, right, of his own consulting firm, Audaces Uvat, a consultancy business development and commercial firm based in Mexico City. So Antonino, it's really, really a pleasure to have you here today again. And I really look forward to the conversation and to dig into your experience in Latin America so that we can, tell listeners about, um, how to succeed in the region. So Antonino, the first order of business is usually asking my, my guest about your, um, relationship with Latin America, how you got involved from Italy to Latin America. What's your personal story behind this?
1: But the story is uh, a personal story, I mean, uh, my wife uh, is, is Mexican, so at that time when I moved to Mexico, we met first time a couple of years before, in 2014, during a, a meeting in, uh, in Germany, and after that, we started dating and uh, I found the first job in Mexico. And as I said, to move uh, here to Mexico. And the opportunity was very, very important for me. It was very interesting and uh, very excited to start a new, a new role here. And uh, now I'm very committed. i very, I'm very happy to stay and live here and work for this uh, big and uh, vast continent.
0: Excellent, Antonino. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities, uh, culturally speaking, between Italy and Latin America. So for you, I guess it was an easy transition, right?
1: Well, easy I can say yes, because I already uh, knew uh, Spanish because uh, I studied even in Madrid. So I learned Spanish when I was in Madrid. But there are many differences between uh, Europe and uh, Latin America, starting from uh uh, different boundaries, the fact that Latin America people are more indirect than in Europe, for example, where we are more used to, to say things that they are, while here uh, you have to understand what people are, are saying uh, in the lines, you know, so things are different, so you must become used to the way of uh, interacting even here in Latin America. It's not the same than in Europe, even if uh, Latin people are more uh, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese—if you want—are uh, closer than uh, in Latin America than uh, German people or, or UK people.
0: You mean warmer the relationship or closer?
1: Or even closer in terms of uh, way to approach, you know, the business and the relationship as as a general point of view, no.
0: Okay, I see. Okay, okay, excellent. All right, Antonino. So, what trends do you see happening in Latin America? that are beneficial for the business of commercializing medical innovations, in your case, pharmaceuticals. I really mean from the epidemiology standpoint or economic or socioeconomic or political standpoint, what do you see happening that are good for the business of selling drugs?
1: Let me tell you about what my story behind Adas is you but when I come here for the first time I was excited to say what's up in uh, here in Latin America. I didn't know I knew very little about Latin America. When I arrived here, I understood that there is a big opportunity here because the continent needs many many things from a pharma point of view, especially because there is a huge gap of the Products, pharmaceutical products, biotech products that are commercialized in the U.S. or in Europe and what they are commercialized here. I exclude the big companies, uh, the multinational companies, Pfizer, Astra, etc., because they are already here. But there is a world uh, of little to medium companies that are not present here and that they have very good uh, and interesting products uh, in, uh, in Europe or the US. So the target of uh, the Asajubat is uh, to bring this company here and commercialize the products in Latin America. So the opportunity is there. From an epidemiological point of view, uh, the continent is quite similar to most developed countries. So as a general view, a drug that works in cardiovascular works even here. Okay, a drug that works in uh, oncology works even here. Of course, there are some differences, uh, but you can have the same target if you want, if you need.
0: Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Very good. All right. So... Do you think that Latin America is a great place to do research or uh, to commercialize innovations uh, in general? I mean, it's easy to do business. What do you think about the overall landscape uh, of entering the Latin American market?
1: Well, I can tell you that, uh, in my opinion, yes. It's, it's very interesting to commercialize. I speak from a commercial point of view, medical technologies, because, as I mentioned, the, the opportunity is there. Latin America is a strange continent, if you want, if especially from the eyes of European and, and US people, in my opinion. Because uh, here there is a, a very um, a different, uh, can I can say, Economic, uh, uh, social division. No, there is uh, high-rich people and very poor people. That in Europe, for example, we are not used to. Many of the drugs in Latin America, in general, are out of pocket, so people need to pay to get the drug. Uh, while this is not as usual uh, in Europe, at least for the essential drugs. So, uh, okay. The system in Latin America is, if you want, closer or more similar to the American one where that is based on uh, private uh, and public insurances than uh, the in Minero. So there are differences, but uh, according to drug that you want to consider, you have different business models, okay? If there is a branded generics, you have a certain target population. Uh, If you have a brand or an original drug, if you have a generic, there is another one, no? And you have to deal in these different ways, always. So the the business model model is different, but very interesting. From uh, economical point of view, uh, Brazil and and Mexico, for example, if they would be in uh, in Europe, they would be the sixth and seventh countries as turnover after the top five countries. So it would be more important than uh, the Netherlands, than Belgium, than, uh, than Portugal, than Poland, etc. So the opportunity is, is, is very huge, it's very big, it's very interesting. From speaking again about the uh, economical difference, in Mexico, for example, high, very high economic people that, that have a very, uh, high, very high salary represent more or less 15% of the total population. This means around 20 million inhabitants that have a salary that in general is higher than, uh, than in uh, Europe. Okay, the average salary. This means 20 million is the bigger than the population than the Netherlands. Netherlands has more or less 17, 18 million inhabitants. Okay, so there is big opportunities. Uh, there are big opportunities. Of course, you need to, to know very well the market. And you need to make a very a very strong segmentation, in my opinion.
0: Yes. Well said. All right. Makes sense. So let's um, dig a little deeper, Antonino, in your experience. In, And I understand is Mexico, Brazil, and Colombia, right? The countries where you have focused the most.
1: Even Argentina, can I say, because I was general manager. But uh, if you have to select, maybe we can select some of them.
0: OK. OK. Yeah. So what about the obtaining regulatory approvals for pharmaceutical drugs in these markets? What do you think about the process? Is it difficult, easy? How long does it take? Is it expensive? Can you tell us about it?
1: But this is a big difference, for example, in Europe, where we're used to have uh, a centralized procedure or even a centralized procedure. This means that when you approve, in one country, you may be, you may get approval in many countries. Here, all the regulatory uh, registration are national, so each country follows its own rules. So the timeline may be very, very, very long, depending on the, on if you want to register in all the 27 countries in Latin America. Of course, countries that are more advanced in terms of regulatory, such as Brazil, Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, Chile, even, and countries that need to work that so if uh, I would uh, recommend, uh, and even there are differences, not only from regulatory point of view, even from a quality point of view, for example, in Latin America is a huge continent, a huge continent. Just to mention that the distance between Mexico, between Tijuana, at least uh, in one border, to Cancun, is the same distance between uh, Lisbon and uh, Moscow. So uh, we have to understand that di- there are many differences. From a stability point of view, for example, Mexico has Zone 2, for example, like Europe or the US, but Brazil, Colombia is Zone 4B, so you need different stability studies. Yes. Other countries, the Caribbean, uh, or even uh, Ecuador, Peru, for example, have a Zone 4A, so different conditions. So we have to take in consideration many things to enter Latin America. So, You should, a company that wants to enter Latin America, should, in my opinion, uh, make a roadmap on which country to enter first. According to his experience, no, uh, because of course everybody wants to enter in Brazil because of the mention of the market. But how complicated it is to enter in Brazil, for example, because of uh, stability, because we, so you have to run stability styles, that takes time, because of uh, regulations, because of uh, uh, protectionism. Uh, this is this applies not only to Brazil but even to Argentina, for example. Um, so you have to take the, the, the fact that in Brazil. Uh, All drugs are price regulated, even those that are out of pocket. Mexico, for example, is a completely different story. Mexico, maybe in Latin America, is uh, the most open country, the most receptive country in Latin America because Mexico has important trade uh, agreements with the US or Canada, but even with Europe. So there are few tax importation taxes or low importation taxes compared to Brazil, for example, or to Argentina. It has uh, the same stability zone. You know? A registration usually for a drug can take between 12 and 18 months in Brazil is three years in, 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 as an average. So. If you ask me what should be the first country to, uh, to start the commercialization in Latin America, I would say, let's start with Mexico, and after, let's move on the other.
0: What about Colombia?
1: Even Colombia, yes, but as I mentioned, there may be some difference, stability zone for B, so we have to run stability zone for zone B. There is uh, certain rules that can be uh, managed that in Mexico you don't have, for example. I can tell you, yes. Colombia may be considered, uh, in my opinion, the second country to enter in Latin America, but you have to be prepared. More prepared than uh, as you are in uh, in
0: Mexico. Okay, I see. Makes sense, makes total sense. Antonino, let's talk about the Pacific Alliance. How do you see that unfolding? How do you see that uh, affecting positively or negatively the opportunity to enter Latin America?
1: As all well, the alliances are very positive, you know, in my opinion, as I mentioned, there are even trade agreements, not only with the Pacific Alliance, but even with the U.S. So this this will simplify theoretically the entrance of new products, not only pharmaceuticals, but even for other uh, areas. Of course, here there are there are even certain differences because when you speak about Pacific Alliance, you you consider even, uh, generally speaking, uh, Asian countries. Okay, in this way. For uh, pharmaceutical drugs, in many cases, for drugs that have been developed in Korea, in China or in other territories, usually you need to register here at least a bridge study in local population. So this may make things longer than for drugs that have been developed or, 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 or commercialized in Latin America or in the US. In many territories, in Latin America, for historical reasons, because of the regulations, there are certain, uh, um, when drugs are approved in the US, uh, in Canada, in Europe, uh, or in, in Switzerland, in Australia, it's more easier to obtain the registration. Okay, um, so, so it, it depends, but uh, you have to take in consideration that drugs coming from Europe and the U.S. Mm-hmm. can arrive on the market mm-hmm. faster than drugs that, that have been registered in, in
0: Asia. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I mentioned the Pacific Alliance, Antonino, because uh, you were referring um, to the fact that uh, you have to register your product in every... Uh, individual country, country by country. And the Pacific Alliance hopefully will unify or will homogenize the registration or the regulatory processes among the member countries that, as of today, are Mexico, Colombia, Chile, and Peru. And eventually, Costa Rica and Panama will join. They have already applied. So it will make things hopefully easier for companies to enter Latin America. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This will simplify things, but things are still ongoing, you know. Uh, there are different organizations that aim to get closer to the countries in Latin America, but at the end, uh, there is certain you no, know, of rules in the territories, but as a general point of view, still you need the local registration. So the requirements may be similar. But you need still local registration. And this takes time. If I mention, of course, when you register in Mexico, it's much easier to register in Central America, for example, or, or in Caribbean countries. But still you need to have local registration. Okay. So this is something that you always, at the moment, need.
0: Yeah. And also it will probably take about a, another decade before we see a unified block of countries in Latin America with a, with a homogeneous regulatory framework or a single regulatory zone or area like in Europe, right? Something like that, hopefully it will happen and because it will also benefit patients because uh, it will, uh, I mean, new products will make it to the region faster.
1: Yeah, I believe that things uh, go slow because uh, in um, Latin America there is not uh, a community like in Europe, you know, uh, so in Europe there is a community where countries are uh, stay together not only for pharmaceutical or for healthcare but even for many other things, you know, uh, so you have to take consideration even this, so I believe that this is an normalization process that is taking in Europe, you know. That now we are seeing with the vaccines, for example, no. But in Latin America, every country is doing is going by themselves. you know. Uh, so in Mexico, Argentina, uh, in Brazil, they already registered some territories some vaccines. Peru arrived a few a few days ago. In other territories, still there is no any vaccine registered. Uh, registered so. Uh, there are many differences now uh, that, that still that make things not so easy like in Europe at least for Farmer.
0: Yeah, it has become a political show <laughs> for presidents <laughs> on TV and stuff, celebrating that they got a, an airplane full of uh, the Colombian president was recently on TV celebrating the fact with like 30 people behind him celebrating that they got a shipment of 50,000 vaccines (laughs) for a 50 million country (laughs) is really bad. Anyway, so moving along here, Antonino, let's talk about the market entry or market access strategy of these companies. We talked about registration. What about commercialization? What's the commercialization strategy that you suggest? Do you suggest that these companies come to the region, uh, hire, the services or the help of somebody like you, an expert and start finding distributors or to set up their own companies locally, what do you suggest that these companies do?
1: Well, this depends on the company, of course, the the easiest way, and maybe the less expensive way is to in license to find a partner to commercialize the product, right? Because you don't have any costs at the end, right? So you don't don't have uh, any reps, any sales force, anything, That's so you don't have any cost. Of course, this depends on the strategy because, in the long run, possibly to establish an affiliate may be even more convenient, you know, for the remuneration in in the long run. It depends on you and how you are aggressive in your political in the, your strategy or you are conservative, you know. And for little to medium companies, for example, usually in licensing, out licensing is the easiest way, of course, because they don't have still the strength or they don't want to enter in these territories. It depends, even uh, I believe, which type of products you want to uh, commercialize here: if a brand, an original, manager patented product, or a generic, you know. Uh, for generics here, there are many companies that work with generics. It's very strong here in the generics markets, in general point of view. So maybe if you have this idea, maybe is local production is better than uh, external, from the territory production. So supply. So because you don't uh, the cost of uh, work is generally less. Uh, you don't have any any uh, transportation costs, taxes, uh, importation taxes, etc. So it's better depending on the strategy you want to have and if you want even to maintain the originality. As a general point of view, uh, drugs or products in general that uh, uh, come from the U.S. are considered better than local, or the U.S. or Europe are considered better than than Latin America, than than the most manufactured locally. When I arrived here five years ago, People say, wow, everything that comes from Europe is spectacular. So they say that things coming from the US are very good, but things that are coming from Europe are wow. And even eventually the same is for drugs. So if if you want to, I can say, maintain quality of the drug or promote quality of the drug, maybe you can even manufacture in Europe, in the US but you will have, you will spend the, the cost for patients will be higher. But people here are used to buy uh, European or US yes, things that are supposedly higher than the other territories, than the local things. After, I can I say, just to complete uh, the idea, there are many companies here that are very good and that produce branded generics. They are of very, very high quality. Uh, therefore, uh, these drugs are very high, um, Uh, an interesting manufacturing plant that produce for uh, American or U.S. companies. So uh, there is even here, there are big opportunity.
0: There's a lot of capacity already in the region for manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to to give
1: uh, third-party manufacturing and uh, for local uh, commercialization, this will be even an option.
0: Okay. Very good. And um, going back to the issue of your consulting work, Antonino, your clients usually come from what countries in Europe or North America? I mean, can you talk about that and the profile of your clients? What's a typical company beyond the big pharma names that we, we all know, that already do business?
1: As I mentioned, my targets are little to medium companies, right? So now my clients are Italians, but even Turkish, but even uh, French, Spanish. There is a budgeting company that uh, they are looking for my services, and even for uh, uh, regarding the um, the type of products, there are different products. There are drugs, biotech, orphan, nutraceuticals. Uh, there are different. There are many many territories, uh, but the targets, the companies, are range from uh, 20, 30 million to over.
0: What do you mean by that In the turnover of these
1: companies are uh, a range for from twenty five million us so uh, usD or euro so it can consider uh, little companies to one billion companies turnover so that are considered uh, still medium company
0: okay I see yeah depending on the classification that or the category the
1: other classification yeah. are based on turnover right?
0: okay okay very good interesting. All right, let's talk a little bit about market access and specifically about how to support the work of a distributor to generate demand for a product in Latin America, what are your suggested best practices? I mean, what should a foreign company do with the distributor to generate demand from the end user?
1: Well, it depends. Again, it depends even the type of drug that you have that you want to commercialize. As an example, let's take Mexico. If you have a branded drug, so your target is high price or relatively high price, I would target high, very high people, okay? And and I would stick on... uh, out-of-pocket markets because these people uh, can afford or have private insurances and uh, can go to the private clinics. Private clinics are usually for advanced, uh, like more the novelty and uh, use the, the the last drugs, the last drugs that are even present commercialized in the U.S. or Europe, for example, or even other countries. Okay. If you have uh, uh, generic generics drugs, uh, again, the market is completely different. You know? So the population in this case is much bigger. We speak about 50, 70 percent of the population, but the price are much lower, lower, of course. And uh, so it depends on which type of drug you have. And it depends if your drug is out of po- is a drug that's uh, out of pocket or is uh, if it is an oncological product, possibly you need to go uh, or an orphan drug, you need to work through tenders. So your main target would be public market.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about pricing and reimbursement. What comments do you have on, on that in the region?
1: It depends on the territory. In Mexico, uh, usually after the registration, the price uh, is freely priced by the companies. And after so, uh, products are reimbursed. Produce uh, and, and patients uh, um, pay, uh, the drugs are out, out of pocket, okay? There is the possibility even to enter in public markets, so to get approval and reimbursement from the insurances, at uh, public insurances, IMSS, system Mexico, for example. But this can take up to five years to enter in the lists of these public insurances. And here you need even to to handle with tenders. So now, if you are alone in the the molecules, so you have uh, more possibility, or you are more original, you have the possibility to have a higher price. If you are not original, because there are other competitors with the same molecules, of course, the price is much lower. Brazil, the, the, the story is completely different. In Brazil, usually all drugs are priced at the beginning. So in the registration process, during the registration process with visa, the visa committee, that is Cmet CMDE, that has in charge even uh, to set the price, to discuss the price with the company, yes.
0: Oh, how interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. Yes, yes. once
1: you have the price set, Anvisa completes the registration, the, the, the process, and, and can give you the approval, okay? After that, there is another process to get the reimbursement. So this is the reason why in Brazil, things can be longer than in Mexico, because there are different processes that can take uh, more or less time. Because the philosophy in Brazil is that they want to guarantee to hold population uh, accessible price, independently if they are out of pocket or paid by the government.
0: All right, Antonino. We're close to the end of the show. The last question that I have in terms of your experience is in bribery. What's your perception about Latin America in regards to bribery and, and corruption and things of that nature?
1: Uh, this is one of the big issues, of course, of Latin America in general, and this happens uh, in whole countries, all countries, from Mexico to Argentina, Brazil, etc., Colombia, Peru, uh, no, no. No, no countries are uh, escape from this logical uh, lucky. I can tell you that from a markets, as a general point of view, there is uh, there are companies that are completely in line with the rules, and they are very straightforward on this. The biggest, usually, most of the locals follow this. In certain way, there there are different. Uh, they work in different ways, so. You have to see, bribery is an issue here, especially for countries that they are not used to this. You know, but you can face this because many local companies that want to, to work with uh, multinational that want to work through in licensing are always always follow the rules, and and this is the most important. So you see uh, you see that uh, there is uh, ethic on this. Uh, and this is important. So uh, I cannot, I don't want to generalize, but I can say that it's more spread, bravery than in Europe, you know. So, but uh, I want to say that there is a very huge part of the population that uh, is not in this way. But we have to consider that this may be a risk that we have to consider. Exactly.
0: Absolutely. All right. So before we sign off for today, Antonino. Uh, Do you have any final thoughts or morsels of wisdom or other musings for our listeners? In other words, what would you say to the CEO of a small, mid-sized pharma company or biotech company in Europe that is looking at Latin America as a place to sell uh, its products?
1: I would say, let's try, let's try, let's dare and to come here because it's a very interesting market. Uh, many companies are looking for uh, products uh, coming from Europe, from the US, from Asia, and because the market needs of this, need of this. In many technology, uh, the highest level maybe cannot enter here because of the price, but uh, more traditional can. And medium-litre companies may have very interesting companies products that can be very useful for you. Even products that may be, may be old for Europe, can be very interesting here for Latin America so let's try but be prepared be prepared because the level in uh, in this area pharmaceutical biotech healthcare is very high okay
0: it's not an easy journey but it's worth trying because the opportunity is huge
1: yeah you have to try because it's very exciting I found people of very high level uh, so it's uh, companies that are very professional It's fantastic to work to work with very good. Excellent.
0: Well, Antonino, um, could you please remind listeners how they can get in contact with you? Your website, your email, whatever, your phone number?
1: Yeah, yes, of course. Uh, I'm present in uh, uh, LinkedIn through my website, uh, well, Antonino Vinicolo. But even Audaces UBAT, there is a page, a LinkedIn webpage. There is even my webpage, uh, Audaces UBAT, is a Latin word, uh, Audaces. Youvatz, and so and there.
0: Okay, okay, very good. Yeah, we link from our website to your LinkedIn page. Yeah, so everything should be there. So thank you so much, Antonino. It was a great pleasure to speak with you. I am quite impressed with the level of knowledge that you have about the pharmaceutical and nutraceutical or medical product uh, world in Latin America. So I'm sure listeners will think about you uh, if uh, they have a need to explore the opportunities that Latin America can offer. All right. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.